Chapter 9. Hard Work and More Dirt Abrupt awakenings were unfortunately becoming commonplace for Jack. Two masked guards burst open his cell door before sunrise, holding torches and stun batons. They grabbed Jack's legs and dragged him down several dark hallways until they reached a cave entrance. Pain shot from the scars on his back, and his blisters began to peel open from being dragged. He tried sitting up and received a boot to the face and a shock from a stun baton. He jolted from the shock as they threw him into a dark hallway, barely lit with torchlight. He scrambled to his feet and ran towards the guards, but they slammed a large metal door in his face before he reached them. When he touched the door, he was shocked with a high voltage of electricity. The guards laughed at him as he seized from the shock and fell to the ground. He laid there motionless, breathing frantically for a moment as the guards spat insults at him. Then they left him. He finally caught his breath and his eyes adjusted to the light. His body was so weak, he felt like lying there for the rest of his days. That wouldn't be so bad. Just lying there until he expired or was eaten by something? It would certainly be better than being a slave for the rest of his life. How would he ever escape with this poison running through his veins? A poison with no cure. Every day, Jack became progressively more weak. He had just lost the ability to fly. That power was hanging on by a thread when he fought Apollo in the Colosseum. Now, he was gone completely. He suspected that all of his powers would disappear before he had a chance to escape. Even if he did get out, he'd expire within months. Jack exhaled and closed his eyes. Yes, it certainly felt like a better idea to lie here. He- Are you dead? A man whispered from the darkness. Jack opened his eyes and sat up. A slender, sickly-looking man wearing barely a loincloth limped into the light. His bum leg dug a line in the dirt whenever he walked. Where did you come from? Jack said, crawling to his knees. The man left mine sent me to retrieve you before Ratnar did, the man said in a slightly creepy tone. The better Jack could see this man, the more pitiful he looked. All of his body language screamed nervous. He couldn't go two seconds without checking behind his shoulder or pacing to the other side of the dim tunnel. Come now, we mustn't be caught by a right mind. Quickly now, come, come! He shook his head in the direction of the darkness and shifted from side to side. Jack's curiosity had been spiked. What was the harm? He was going to expire anyway. Might as well check out what this mine had to offer. Jack rose to his feet and the man smiled, clapping his hands as he hobbled into the darkness. Jack followed out of blind faith, literally. He walked into the pitch blackness, expecting to see light after a few paces, like it was a giant tunnel leading to a mine shaft. That is, until he ran into a wall. Be careful, tall one. It splits here. Come in my direction and be cautious. You never know where left mind brutes may be hiding. Brutes. That's a term he hadn't heard in a while. The slang term meant someone who has super strength and no other powers. Interesting that they would be common around here. Jack followed the squeaky voice until they reached a torch-lit section of the tunnel. How far out is this place? Not far. Only a few places more. The skinny man limped into the light, 
at fixing his gaze on the hallway before them. Jack walked in silence as the man lived beside them. The air was cold down here, the only heat coming from the torches on the walls. The torches crackled around them, but the noise was soon drowned out by clicks and clanks and voices of men working in the mine. We're nearly there, tall one. Jack shook his head, trying to wrap his mind around what just happened. I have so many questions, Jack said. I don't know where to start. You can trust me, tall one. We are left man, you and I. We are the same blood. Jack looked confusedly at the man. What? The man pointed to his wrist, where black veins were abundantly present. You have the poison! Jack pointed to his arms, where the same black veins popped out. Yes. The small man extended this word for a few seconds. Same blood. They stopped and the skinny man hobbled over to stick his arm next to Jack's. He studied Jack's arm and compared it with his own. What's your name? Jack said. The question startled the man out of his deep thinking. They call us Mala, the weak ones. Us? Did this guy have multiple personalities? There's no way. Is there? Change of subject. What did you mean, left mind? Jack said. There are two minds? The men continued walking toward the racket ahead. No. One mind. Two sides. Two leaders. Our leader is dead. Killed by a Paul. Right mind leader. Next leader appointed at Grand Circle. This man's communication skills needed work. Was this new translation power failing him? Or was this man actually that horrible at communicating? Either way, his answers were actually creating more questions in Jack's mind. He began to fear that he would never get the answers he was looking for. Wait, Grand Circle? I will explain later. You must work now, tall one. Cart, take. He gestured to a mine cart halfway filled with bits of stone and iron. Jack grabbed the cart and looked to Mala for instructions. Mala gave an annoyed sigh and hobbled over to the cart. I will go with. You do not know the way. Push! He waved his hands in a direction, and Jack began pushing the cart, which was heavier than expected. The deeper he pushed into the mine, the clearer the voices were, and the heavier the mine cart became. The miners weren't speaking to one another. They were humming a tune. Jack's curiosity must have been splayed over his face because Mala tapped him on the shoulder, furiously trying to keep up with him despite his bum leg. Lullaby for the children. Only song we know. The men hummed softly, yet in unison. They were nearly all in pitch except for one or two, which was annoying. They mined the walls of the tunnels with old-fashioned pickaxes. Every tool they used was rusty and looked ancient. The torchlight revealed that each and every one of them was caked over completely with a layer of dirt. They all worked tirelessly, only looking away to toss a bit of iron into the cart as Jack passed. Sweat burned his eyes, and the dirt kicked up from the mining made him cough violently from time to time. His eyes had adjusted to the torchlight, but the torches on the wall ran out after a while. They grabbed the last one and placed it inside the cart to see. When there were no miners humming the lullaby, Mala began humming to ease the silence. More questions arose in Jack's mind. Why iron? 
What is so special about iron that they would mine it instead of doing something useful with the plethora of slaves at their disposal? Jack pushed the cart through the mines for hours before the track split. This way, tall one. Jack flipped a lever on the mine cart and began veering in Mala's direction. Where does the other one lead to? Certain destination. What's so special about this way? It's faster. Where are we even going? You'll see. Takes too long to explain. Mala is tired. Did he just refer to himself in third person? Goodness. And Jack thought his speech was improving. It wasn't long before the tunnels ran out, and they were crossing the tracks over a massive ravine. The drop from where they walked looked to be about a thousand feet. This place is huge, Jack said with a wide-eyed expression. Focus. Focus. Just when Mala said this, Jack's foot slipped through the tracks. He caught himself in the cart before he fell. It took him a few seconds to get readjusted. His heart raced for the next minute and a half. He couldn't seem to catch his breath. How are you walking so easily with that bum leg? Jack said, still clinging to the cart. Bum? Lug? It's an American term. Jack took a deep breath and continued walking across the tracks. It means your leg doesn't work. Ah, I have walked tracks many times. Watched many slippers looted. None were so lucky. Poor Mama. But you've never slipped. Why poor you? Me? No. Mala. Mala gestured toward the infinite darkness below. Realization hit like a bag of bricks. You mean other? Mala, Mala said, confirming Jack's suspicion. Mala wasn't a name. It was a title. The Mala were forced to push the minecarts across the ravine because that job had the highest chance of dying. Send the weak to do the hard work. That's not fair. The weak should be protected, not treated like expendable pawns. That's so backwards. The cart hit a bump, and a piece of iron flew out. It fell a small distance down the giant hole and splashed. It wasn't infinite darkness from a never-ending hole. It was jet-black liquid that didn't reflect any light. What in the world? Jack said, stopping dead in his tracks. Death water, Mala said, grabbing Jack's wrists and pointing to his black veins. This is where the poison comes from? Mala nodded. Shoot, Jack said, starting to walk again. Luckily, he didn't trip this time, though some bumps in the tracks knocked a good portion of the iron into the poison. No wonder everyone was afraid of taking the carts. There was about half a mile of train track over this lake of black liquid. The end of the ravine couldn't have come quick enough. The tunnel continued and they found themselves facing a torch-lit passageway guarded by armed men, this time with guns instead of stun batons. Stop there, one of the guards shouted. They were still a good distance away. Push it here, another said. We don't want your filth rubbing off on us. Jack put his foot in the cart and shoved, which again took way more effort than he had expected. The poison was really taking its toll. On top of the power-dampening effects, he felt nasty inside, like he had been injected with swamp water and it was floating around in his veins. Ew. His blood was thicker now. If he was cut at this point, it would be completely black. The guards caught the cart and began inspecting the iron. 
Jack's superhearing had almost completely vanished due to that blasted poison. All their words were muffled, but he got the gist. After a few moments of deliberating about the quality of the iron, they called for another person inside the passageway. Mala hobbled closer and tapped Jack on the shoulder. Watch this, he whispered, as a short, fat man with fancy robes came strolling in from within the passage. He stuck his finger in the dirt on top of the cart, and then stuck the dirty finger into his mouth. Gross, Jack whispered. Not so. Watch, tall one. The man swallowed hard. Then the cart and all of its contents turned to gold. Even the dirt on top turned to gold dust. Jack became breathless for a moment. He hadn't seen anything so beautiful in his life. The cart shone brilliantly in the torchlight. That single cart would now be worth a fortune, even in the States. No wonder they were mining for iron. Mala began to hobble away and gestured for Jack to follow. Mustn't catch us standing. Much beatings. Come, tall one. Jack followed Mala back the way they came. He felt light as air after pushing the heavy cart for hours. He carried the torch while Mala hobbled furiously, trying to keep up with him. Did you know about that? Jack pointed behind them. Yes, Mala said in his unintentionally creepy way. Fat man comes to change metal to gold every three days. Must be iron, not steel, not rock. Iron. Fat man gets angry when steel or rock beats Mala. That didn't make much sense. The entire cart turned to gold. Not just the iron, even the dirt. Maybe the iron was like a battery. If he was around the iron, he would be able to create more gold. But at the cost of the iron, he was around. Thinking about it made Jack's head spin. It was a good thing they were nearly across the poison lake. Jack felt dizzy. Partly from pushing a 400-pound cart for half the day, and partly from the fact that he hadn't eaten an actual meal in days. The slot they gave him in the prison was about equivalent to eating the dirt around it. In terms of nutrition, he would have been better off eating his own hand. What a morbid thought. Morbid, but true. They reached the tunnel where the men had previously been humming while they worked. Half the amount of torches now lit the tunnels, and the dirt had settled, which gave a clear view of their path. Though, for some reason, thinking about the dirt made Jack begin coughing again. That was annoying and painful. They reached their destination within an hour to find hundreds of men sitting alone or bunched in groups. The clearing that they all sat in was massive. It looked as wide and long as a football field, at least. The ceiling was taller than an aircraft hangar. Something or someone must have blown this place apart for some reason or another. Maybe an escape attempt. Either way, no amount of torches could ever light this place completely. All the men held wooden bowls filled with sludge that closely resembled vomit. Jack found a vacant bowl toward the edge of the clearing, but couldn't bring himself to eat the slop that was piled up in the center of the room. It looked like someone had just dropped it down, though no one seemed to mind that they were eating slop straight off the dirt. It didn't smell good. It didn't look good. Jack understood beggars can't be choosers, but this was already making him gag. He would lose what was left of his stomach content if any of that came within a few inches of his face. This creation made the slot from the prison seem like a gourmet meal. No thank you. 
He could hold off for a few more days, but eventually he would have to cave in and eat the abomination that sat before him. Jack studied the room, seeing where everyone sat in relation to each other. Mala was right. There was a clear divide between the two sides of the room. The side Mala was on was definitely left mine. On the other side sat identical-looking miners and workers. Though they were no different in appearance, they were clearly avoiding left mine. Every single man in this clearing had the same lion brand covering their entire back, just like Jack's, which was still oozing blood from the not-so-gentle drag from the mines. Most men sat alone, except for the exceptionally weak-looking ones. Those sat huddled together towards the edges of the room. With them sat Mala. In fact, these all must have been the Mala. Socioeconomic status was present even in a place like this. In the center of the right side, sitting alone with the biggest portion of slop, was Apoll. He stared at Jack with intense, unrelenting eyes. Jack didn't know for sure, but he guessed he had been staring at him the entire time. Jack sat, matching Apoll's stare. Apoll frowned, then smirked. He breathed in, and Jack prepared to take one of his wind blasts. But from this far away? Grand Circle! He shouted at the top of his lungs, and everyone erupted in cheers. Cheers!